Hi, and welcome back to Realistic Sustainability. I'm Mike, and I am here with my brother, Nick. How are you today? You know, I was really excited and good until I heard the drawn-out intro. I am good, Michael, but you are not <laughs> my brother, Mike. You're my brother, Mike. Yes, I William Shatnered that whole beginning there, didn't I? You did. You very much did. Well, it happens. You know what? Hey, my brain does not move as quickly as some people's. I've been experiencing that my whole life. I understand. <laughs> well, speaking of, well, for lack of better terms, our brain farts. This week's episode is last week's episode. The one we wrote and said we were going to do and had it all situated. And then we just talked. That was not a brain fart. Last week was gold. Pure gold. <laughs> Pure gold? Yes, pure gold. All right, then. Well, hopefully everybody else thought it was pure gold. I know how it's like a whole show of bantering, but we're going to get back on our normal like cadence. We're going to get back to what we originally said we were going to do, and this week we're going to talk about just common household waste. All right. That, down so, the hatches, it's about to get messy. <laughs> now, that, now, I don't think it's that kind of waste. Oh, Okay. Well, this is just things that you waste in the house or I waste in the house or anybody in, well, I say the United States because that's where I pulled the stats, but anywhere in the world, they're common things that just get wasted in general, other than most organics, because I know you're going to go straight to food, the 40% number, you're going to get crazy on it. I'm not going to get crazy on it because you already said something I disagree with. What? Already? You? Yeah, you're, you said all over the world, but I disagree. It's good you pulled the stats in the U.S. because the rest of the world doesn't produce the amount of plastic coated crap that we do well we are a major contributor to global waste that is true and honestly a lot of countries especially in europe don't even allow half the products we produce that we allow so it's not that they don't have plastic coated stuff too but i mean if you look at sheer numbers the amount of stuff that we produce and waste here it kind of belittles most of the world it does well and it sometimes it follows development you know the seems like countries are going through cycles. We are not the first. We usually follow Europe. You know, Europe does something, they fix it. We, we start doing it as if we didn't see it over there mm -hmm. happen. And then we start to fix it. And as other countries become developed, they go through it. No different how China went through the massive emissions concerns that they're going through right now, just like the United States did when you used to be distance or even today, still L.A., so it seems to be that we run through these cycles where as countries develop, they go through the exact same process. And I think what's going to happen next for emissions, by the way, Mexico is going to be that next one that realizes the air quality problems. And I think that's how all this waste stuff just kind of falls in line is I've joked with you recently as humanity doesn't seem to learn from the mistakes. We just cycle it to a new group and let them learn it on their own. Oh, yeah, we are not good at mitigating problems at all. And we're not good at really fixing them. We're good at band-aiding things. I think we're perfectly capable of fixing problems or, or jumping at, you know ahead and taking care of things. It, uh -huh. is, it is, unfortunately, I think it's the greed factor. Stretch it as long as you can, get as much as you can, take as much as you can before we have to make that change. Because I think a lot of times leadership does that. I think we're perfectly capable of seeing a problem and fixing it because we've always had to do it in emergency mode. If we planned it ahead of time, I think we would be very good at it. Well, that's why I said mitigating. I never said we weren't capable of something. And I never said that we didn't have, possess all the tools and abilities to, to you know, do the things we need to do. There's a, and I wish I remembered the stupid TV show, but there's a character in this show I've seen one time and, and his wife is like, what are you doing? He's like, you're going to be hung over. You're going to be, you're going to feel like crap tomorrow. And he's like, 
that's tomorrow me's problem. Today me is happy. And he keeps <laughs> drinking. And that's how I look at our government. They don't... They, there are people that are like, you know, this is a bad idea. You shouldn't do this. And they're like, oh, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. And you fast forward like a year, two years, five years, ten years. It wasn't fine. And and they were warned, but they still did dumb stuff. I will never say people don't have the ability to produce an improvement in their situation. I just think they're lazy and they're greedy. And so they'd rather deal with the problem after it's already smacked them in the face than step out of the way of the punch. Yeah, there's been CEOs that have been quoted stating, I know this is a problem, but they can change it after I retire. And that is the mentality of a lot of groups in the United States is this, you can do it after I'm done taking what I want. Yep. And that's a, that's a big problem. Anyways, so when we start looking at household waste, and I tried to start comparing this to my household because, again, family of five, we have a household of excessiveness in a sense because we have a large home. We can't really downsize to some of the kids start moving out. And we have all these things, all this stuff that we have in this home that I think at times do get wasted. Now we're getting better at reducing the food waste. We're, we're getting better at reusing things as much as possible. And I did do uh, the, those the breaking experiments or right now we're changing our burn area so that we can start burning papers again or cardboard again. Because when I did, if I bricked the plastics and I burned the burnables, because that's what they're going to do at the waste facility plants anyway. So it's not like all we're doing is skipping the emissions of transferring it to them so they can burn it. Yeah, we're skipping the embodied energy of actually giving it to someone else. I understand that. Yep. So, and then I can use that ash on my property or I can you know sprinkle it in the gardens. I can take it and put it in the flowers and stuff like that so that we get that nutrient. If I do that, my family of five put out one, sometimes two garbage bags a week. That's not terrible. I wish I could say we do that. We usually put up four to five, though. We really do. We have a lot of waste. We we dwarf your family of five in terms of waste production. Now, I'll tell you, we've we've put out more as of late with, with the building of Dabble, and I continue to sell myself out to all of our listeners. I've, like, fallen off every wagon, and I'm slowly trying to get it back as Dabble is a little more established, and I don't have to have my hands on everything at all the time. Being here from <clears throat> 7 o'clock in the, in the morning to sometimes as late as midnight every day has certainly screwed up how I handle some things. Oh, of course. It, it, it should screw it up, and that's not a, a schedule you should be maintaining. So as I get it better, I can start fixing those things. My garden at home was a mess this year. A couple sunflowers took it over, and I just gave it to them. Any extra time I had went to the Edible Landscape Project, and it just didn't. This is a lost year for sustainability in my household. Mm-hmm. I understand that. So what I'm looking at is let's go over some of the percentages of averages first, and then let's just take a look at our own household. And yours may be a little different because you have a catering company, which sometimes requires certain waste. Oh, sometimes is not sometimes, sometimes is always. So... Yeah. Um, we are actually, I'm in the process of a transition or starting a transition as this season finally comes to a close. I've got making some changes for next year. I don't really want to offer disposable plates and plasticware anymore. Um, I have China, so we'll just go with China for now on because the, uh, the amount of money I spend in plates and plasticware is outlandish. Like it is absolutely outlandish. Right. I'm assuming they would like that better anyways. Yeah, you'd think so. I, I, I would hope so. And then the, oftentimes there are, I bring home food on a weekly basis. Every week I bring home pants and pans of food and we eat a little bit. I eat as much as I possibly can. 
almost every day of meat and leftovers, and then we do end up throwing a lot of it away. I took some of it. You one time. This is I take it home every weekend. Well, just so you know, I'm available for free food that you've cooked every weekend. Okay. Well, it's <laughs> it's there. I promise. <laughs> In a standard household, I found it interesting about the waste because the biggest thing that we waste in the U.S. is paper products. Now, that's one thing that is minimized in my house. There's an ongoing joke between Jamie, her family, and everybody else about hiding rolls of napkins or paper towels where I won't see them. So they know they still have one roll in the house when they need it. But I keep all the old napkins from like when a a server puts far too many napkins on the table. I take those with me because they're going to, you've told me they're going to throw them away. Yeah. They don't, they don't pick it back up and use them. Right. So I have a stack of napkins in the house. That is a collective set of napkins that if you laid them out, you'd see it's from 40 different places. And that's what I've been keeping, but it's an ongoing joke in our household about paper products. And if, uh, if for any reason while camping, we're short a paper product, everybody always yells at me like, let your wife have paper towels. You know, as an ongoing joke, but in the United States, it shows 40% of everything wasted that isn't organics is paper products. Yeah, that makes sense. When you say that isn't organics, what do you mean? I mean, food is what I'm talking about, because I think that food should be its own little category. Okay, so here's my question, because I have to know for clarification. Does that number include paper products that are meant to be wasted, like toilet paper? Yes. Okay, then of course it's going to be 40%. There's (laughs) there's a lot of crap in this country, and it needs to be wiped. A lot of households use disposable plates, and even in their standard day. We mm-hmm. see cardboard from all the Amazon, and that is a thing for me because I order for Stemnetics, I order for Dabble, I order for ourselves, and we end up having a ton of those. And all these paper products, the junk mail that comes in, yes, your toilet paper, then the napkins, all these things add up to a massive amount. And in my head, I go back to the embodied energy of it all. You know, I start to, that's what makes my brain itch. No, I I totally understand, and and that's why I asked about the toilet paper, because if you take the toilet paper out of the number, I really believe that paper comes down in plastics. It's probably like we waste more plastic, because when I think about it, we don't go through... We do, we do go through a lot of paper products, you know, notebooks, and I do a lot of printer paper, a lot. I print, I use the printer a lot. Uh, napkins are huge. Paper towels, we usually go through a roll a week. The paper waste in my house is a bit excessive, but when you compare it to the plastic, it doesn't even touch it. Well, in Dabble, we don't use a ton of paper here. We do if it's kids are making paper airplanes for STEM class, but I tend to save paper that isn't used for something else. I have a box of paper that still has the tracks on either side of it that someone dropped off. Oh my God, really? Into a printer that had, it was very old school, but it's a box of paper. I peel that off. We have paper for STEM class. Instead of just throwing that out, we reuse it. Where I see the largest amount of waste in, at Dabble is restrooms. Not necessarily always toilet paper because I use a coreless toilet paper, which I love to, I would like to switch that at home. Where the whole thing is toilet paper, there's actually no cardboard center. Not a small one, but none. It's just dented so that it can hold it in place. But paper towels, 
people pull on the thing and the paper towel comes down and that's a sheet. I can hear every time, pull, 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 rip. (laughs) You've just washed your hands and now you have a four foot section of paper to uh, dry your hands with. When we take the trash out, the bathroom is that place. That is where at Dabble we we see the most waste. Yeah, I think that there is a misconception with the average person. They believe when you go to dry your hands, they think their hands should be completely dry versus I think what the intended use is to take any surface water kind of off. So like there's just enough dampness for the air to finish the job versus because you wash your hands and then and when you're done rinsing your hands they're being wet so you take a paper towel and you're supposed to get all that water off but like most people they they do they they do like five or six of them and they they wipe everything to their like bone dry and they have so much excess paper towel that the paper towel is mostly still dry too because they have so much of it so i get it i 100 percent understand so for us that seems to be the one thing now i did collect this stat and i told you i was ignoring it but i'm not going to with organic waste it also includes yard okay, okay. so your yard waste and food waste is 17 percent. so with paper waste being 40 percent, the number two was 17%. And that's I, yard waste and food waste. That doesn't seem right. I don't understand how yard waste outshines plastic. I don't get it. It doesn't make sense to me. Well, and as we get going, you're going to see that that's it's a little weird. It's not what I fully expected either. But yard waste gets to count anything in the yard. Sticks, leaves, whatever, because that's still a waste product that we could be reusing. Oh. I understand that. Still, I mean, if you're combating nature, I guess it could outshine plastic, but... Well, maybe this will help. It's measured in millions of tons. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. We're surrounded by it. So, for example, paper products were 71 million tons of garbage per year. Okay. Yard waste and organics are 31 million tons. That doesn't... I don't... That can't be right. That can't be accurate. I don't believe it. Because what you're seeing, and this one I understand because it's in tons, not per item. Because the third one is tied between metals and plastic. So the reason that I don't believe it is because, okay, so it makes sense that, let me make sure I word this correctly. It makes sense to me how high the paper one would be because more people are in cities than the country. So in cities where there's huge concentrations of people, you're going to have higher amounts of waste of certain types of products. I understand that it makes sense. I just believe that plastic would be up there with it. I don't necessarily agree on the yard waste one, unless this includes farm waste, if this includes people that do 500 acres, and this includes all their waste too, and then that would make sense. Well, and I would I would assume that it's, you know, people who have large properties are still the same. You're, the yard waste that makes it out of the property, but I don't know many people who have 20 acres and rake the 20 acres. They usually rake the acre they're on, you know, <laughs> and the rest of it just kind of sits. And for me, uh, I think everybody's seen the pictures that I've posted on the Facebook of my garden beds falling apart. So I've yep. started to pick, I've started to replace them one at a time with corrugated steel. So this year, when I set the first one up, I leave the leaves on the ground for the, for the season, which my city loves, by the way, I'm sure they do. Um, but they don't say anything. So they're, they're great about it, but I'm going to start taking down those other gardens and chipping it into the bottom of this garden. Okay. So I shouldn't have yard waste leaving my property for quite some time. Cause I'm going to be putting up, you know, 10, 12 of these beds and I'm going to need material to fill it. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, as I'm bricking my plastics, which I found a better way to do it, by the way, I don't like using two liters. They seem to be almost too thin, but if you have 
larger ones like Jamie and I are still using liquid detergent. Those much thicker, larger. Heavy duty ones, yeah. You can get a ton more in those. And then I use them as space fillers. Well, you know, close it down, lock it down, throw it in the bottom of one of those beds. It's going to still be in the ground. It's just going to be in the ground on my property. Okay. And that's less less material and soil and things I have to buy to throw into the bottom of those containers. None of the plants will ever reach that depth. It's like throwing rocks in the bottom of things, if you will. Uh, no, I don't agree, but okay. I, I think that as long as that, if you were to move, you take all that junk with you. But if they're out of your planters, I mean, you're going to change them every year anyways. So the organics, at least on my property, and primarily at Dabble, I mean, there's no real grass. I have a tree, and I have a spot in the back where leaves collect. I do sweep that up, push it out, and let and let that get picked up by the street sweeper. But at least at home, I just leave it. I don't bother raking the leaves. I'm sure my neighbors, I have new neighbors now on both sides who are going to experience me. So we'll see how it goes. The other two neighbors used to tolerate all that stuff. So I have two brand new neighbors, one on each side of me, who are about to learn how I do things. The old folks left? They did. They The gentleman has had too many falls. They uh, moved moved down to family in Ohio. It takes the, so much pride in their yard. The family um, bought a home for them to be in and re- converted it all to handicap accessible for them. So now I've, I've lost my two neighbors that I know, and we'll see how the new neighbors handle some of the silliness of us. Between Jamie <laughs> leaving the camper out front all the time and... And between me and my sustainability nerd stuff or letting the weeds grow, we'll see how they accept. It. Now, metals. I think we're, I think metals is going to continue to drop, honestly, because less and less things are being made of metals. And it's becoming an uncommon material yeah. for household, household items. I mean, aluminum still a little bit. There's some real thin stamp steel. I think we're still throwing out things our parents bought, and we're going to see less and less metal because it's becoming more and more scarce. Is it scarce? No. But is it becoming more scarce or more expensive to use? Yes. Where the plastics are still the same. The plastics are cheap. The plastics are easily accessible. And as long as we have petroleum production, we're always going to have plastics because it is use it because it's cheap. And I think that your 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 the, your mindset about plastics is only going to rise until we change that culture. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. So with plastics, the best thing to do, of course, is we've said it a billion times, reuse them as much as humanly possible. Find a different home. And minimize how many you collect. I think anybody who listens to this show has a pretty strong idea of of plastics. Plastics is a a major important part of sustainability. I agree. The next one is glass, which I'm not really sure how much glass we really waste. But apparently in the United States, about 7% of the waste is glass. Glass is one of those things that's recyclable. Does that include beer bottles? Uh, Yeah, I guess if it doesn't make it back to be recycled, in many states, they don't have a recycling uh, deposit. I mean, I I hate to say that, but like people drink a lot of beverages in glass. Wine, champagne, beer, a lot of them. Because, I mean, really, in the old days, a lot of things came in glass. They're reusable. But nowadays, if you think about the things you actually buy to come in a glass bottle, some chemicals, not many beer small small things like you can still buy vanilla and those types of extracts in glass bottles uh glass jars pickle i think jars, that may be a big yep. component of it pickle jellies that kind of food waste but it's not something that we use a ton of yeah i 
so when I first saw that, I didn't necessarily consider all the things that you just said. So now I can see where more of them would happen. Now we don't throw out jars and Jamie, if she's listening to this, this, the hair on the back of her neck just stood up, but we usually find a home. There's usually something Mm -hmm. that can be used, you know, for large pickle jars or whatever we, we have the glass jars don't get thrown out. It is something we will use. Glass bottles, quite often in Michigan, we have a deposit, so we send them back for recycling. And glass is one of those things that is highly recyclable, over 90% uh, capable, so that when you put glass, when you go through the glass recycling process, you get glass. It's not like a Mm -hmm. water bottle. So those are things that should always make the recycle bin. Metals and glass is what I've always said have to make the recycle bin. So I can see that. But I also know a lot of people throw them out. So that's where we're getting those percentages. The, The last identified other than other is a mix of... 20 million tons of like rubber, textiles, leather, wood, and other off organic waste, which I'm not necessarily sure what that means when a whole section had organic waste. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But, and I get, you know, clothing, fast fashion. There's a lot of people who wear things for a short period of time, chuck it out, grab something new. That's the textiles, rubbers, you know, tires, tennis shoes, those kinds of things. So I do understand where those come into play. And then other is quite simply, everything else although it does say tires and other which i thought would go great into rubber but i do know it has a metal and uh belt steel belt Mm -hmm. appliance appliances and furniture and all the other things that someday you throw out when you rip out the carpet when you renovate a home and all those other pieces come out Mm -hmm. you know fixtures and things of that nature which is like 14 percent, by the way other is third on this list. Wow. You know, so when we look at this, it, I, I try to look at both Dabble and then my household. And in the household, I still think our waste primarily is the same. It's paper waste and organics. Those are the two big ones that I have to continue to fight the battle because not every kind of food can be scraped off into the garden. You know, uh, Alfredo mm-hmm. shouldn't be scooped off into the garden. Their greases from meats and things of that nature should not be, you know, put back into the yard. We want those organics, so, the things that rot. So, well, the things that are high fat, you don't want. Right. So those. I mean, that's really in the trash. Let's say that's pretty much all Alfredo is. It's just delicious fat. <laughs> right. Well, and it, Jamie no it doesn't like the idea of scraping that kind of stuff on the back of the property and letting the critters come get it so that stuff ends up not in the with trash. how small not with how small your property is if you had like 20 acres maybe but right. i mean you live in the city so you start a hotel for records so, you're going to have some unhappy neighbors yes yes we already have tons of squirrels and other animals around the property that sheldon loves to chase and they yell at sheldon bringing more in isn't going to be helpful so that stuff gets scraped off this is stuff that does not get reused so when the kids don't necessarily eat all that's on the plate kind of thing and we don't necessarily enforce that either because i think that could be just as bad of a habit Mm -hmm. that's where a lot of our waste comes from is paper products and food which really correlates and aligns with what i see here at the household. And I told you at Dabble, it's paper products. I 
without a shadow of a doubt, that is the one thing. We recycle the cans, we recycle the bottles, all that stuff. I have separate trash cans. Matter of fact, I've quit having water bottles. We now have a large water jug. I replace the jugs. But even with the water bottles, even with the water bottles, we reuse them. So I have I have a collection area for water bottles that people now bring in and throw in there. And we use them for balloon-powered cars for STEM. We do uh, planters, teaching kids how to, how to kind of make a self-drain planter. You know, we use them as materials. Mm-hmm. So every once in a while, if you're on my Facebook or you're on Dabble's Facebook or Greening's Facebook, you'll see a post that says, I'll take water bottles again. And people just mm-hmm. drop off bags of them on my porch <laughs> because we're using them. People would rather us use them than, than be landfilled. I agree with that. I think it's wonderful people actually do that and they do bring them to you. See, and I, So when I look at these this list, I wonder how much of it is waste from absent mindedness and or that quick life we live where we're always in a hurry to do the next thing how many of these things could have a second home could be used but we're so accustomed to throwing it throwing it away or so accustomed to putting it in the forever bin that we never actually stop to think could i reuse it or am i using mm-hmm. too much i think that a uh- Asking people to be realistic and object not objective, but uh, critical about their their levels of use and the things that they could cut back on. Maybe a bit too far of a stretch. I think that the average person doesn't like being that critical with themselves and uh, wants what they want when they want it. Yeah, but I don't think it's too much to stop and think. Now, you may Not still for, choose. I, I agree with that. I, I think that taking the time to think about something is wonderful. I just, I don't know. You said I don't have a whole like lot of it, faith in the other people right now. Well, and I always look at just the fact that someone thinks about it. If someone said, hey, I really want this. It's in a container that's going to be around forever, but I really want this and I'll make this change over here. At least they're trying to make the change. Most people just take what they want and move on. You know, the concept that every toothbrush you've ever owned still exists to this day and will outlive you. The idea that every plastic spoon that you've ever seen is still here. Every plastic fork, plastic knife, everything that you've ever used or seen used will outlive you. As long as people start thinking about those things, they'll start occasionally making better choices. And that's what this whole podcast is about, is constantly looking at stuff. And you may make the decision that is not great for the environment, but I guarantee that if you look at it every time, there will be times you make a better decision. And each time you do that, you're building that positive footprint. Well, I agree. And I can do, I can tell you I'm doing my part. Instead of dumping that Alfredo on the ground or the garbage, I dump it in my mouth. Okay, well, good. Very good. Matter <laughs> of fact, I I got some Alfredo from you. I froze some of it. I kept some of it. We've already eaten half of it. And th- now we've thawed some more and we go through it. But uh, I had no idea what kind of food you got. I just know you came and got some. Yeah, it was baked chicken, Alfredo. I think there were some beef tips, one big thing of corn. Yeah. There was quite a few things. Okay. But uh, so now... You can't have a show like this without giving some ideas or at least options for people. And when it comes to when it comes to food, one of the things I take an engineering term called FIFO, first in, first out. So if I don't want to eat leftovers for the next week. (laughs) <laughs> first in first out fifo that's that's pretty that's standard I across it. oh i learned it when i was 14 in the restaurant but okay. uh, i'm not a, i will call me a culinary engineer there we go that's a new term 
<laughs> That's a, I, I did not know it was a common term. I'm used to it in warehouses. So it is. I don't I don't think I've ever seen someone actually pronounce it, but I, I've written it, you know, for 20 years. Okay. So I think that has to be something we think about in the house. So now quite often when I'm making dinners, I make less of certain things. I make less meat and less heavy starches and more vegetables. And if everybody get eats their first plate and wants more, what's usually left is vegetables. You know, so instead of having massive amounts of everything, which you know me and that used to be a thing, yep. where I couldn't let anyone run out of anything, so everything was an excess. I now just pick that one thing, mm-hmm. okay? And this dinner, broccoli is going to be an excess in case someone wants more of something. But what that also does is reduces the amount of containers going into the fridge afterwards. I am not dirtying a bunch of containers to put a bunch of things in the fridge and letting it sit there because let's face it, especially the kids, I don't mind. I'll eat leftovers all week. I'll even eat the same thing all week. The kids won't. They've had their thing and they don't really want the same dinner night after night after night. So some of it sits there, you know, it creates its own ecosystem. And next thing you know, you're dumping it. So first in, first out, make enough and if you do make too much, make that the next thing eaten. Make that the very first thing to go. That way you don't mm-hmm. have this shelf in the fridge of leftovers that is just kind of living there. Because I think it does in many cases. There's times we've had leftover dinner. Like go in there and find things throughout the week we've eaten that you want to have again. Mm-hmm. And now that I'm getting better with that, I'm cooking a little more appropriately. Stir fry. Well, there was just enough meat to put on the stir fr- on top of the stir fry, but there was a lot of extra rice and a lot of extra mm-hmm. vegetables. But so that, that that's what, that's why back. that's why dishes like stir fry exist, though. I mean. Those types of meals come from cultures that didn't have a lot of meat. Meat was a luxury. And so they're they're for a better way to put it, they're they're what they would be called peasant food. The dishes that were created by people that were broke and had very little meat, but they were able to make delicious sauces and, and had beautiful vegetables and rice was cheap and it was everywhere. So you have things like stir fries. You know, it's 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 like in French, it's a quiche and in, in America it's a soup. I mean it's it, they're things that feed a lot of people to go all the way with very little ingredients. Ingredients. Mm-hmm. Sorry. And they're not really bad for you. No, and and they're actually generally, even if I cook them, pretty good. You know, pretty, pretty delicious, but it is one of those things that I've been working on and it's actually, I'm noticing a difference. We're not putting nearly as much stuff into the fridge. I do like to have some leftovers. I just take it to work the next day, but if we don't have it, then I'm doing, I'm getting my portions right. And as you know, my whole life, I've never done that. Next is like opt out of paper everywhere you can. Bills. Paperless. Go Go paperless on a lot of this stuff. I understand if you have, you know, been your whole life, you get a bill, you pay a bill, you get a bill, it goes in a file. In the digital age, that doesn't have to exist because just the Mm -hmm. fact that you got a bill went through this printing process. There's people who work there. They have to put it in the envelope. The envelope goes through a printing process. Then they have to pay to have it moved from point A to point B, which sometimes has multiple stops in between or gets lost and ends up in the state. Let's, 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 let's skip the whole, the whole process of how the envelope was made. Um, You know, they take the piece of paper and they cut it the shape they want and they put the adhesive strips uh, with the glue, you know, on the top 
of it and then oftentimes there's a piece cut out that they put a plastic window in and they go through and they glue it and they fold it together and this all happens before you even get to stick something in it and then put another piece of adhesive glue on top of it for a stamp and ink i mean it's just it is about embodied energy we should do that break out an envelope one day we should (laughs) like use hallmark or something to figure out where they make their stuff and just we should actually do it yeah it's so the amount of energy put into you getting a bill is excessive and most people or i'm going to say many because i don't know if it's most i sometimes i still get a bill for things even though i've opted out and i have to opt back in then opt back out and see if it needs to trigger in the system but i've already paid it online before the letter shows up i go through and pay my bills in a specific manner which is always prior to the due date so if it shows up to my house still i've already paid the bill the bill showing up to my house does nothing for me other than maybe a brief confusion on oops did i pay that so it went through that whole process to getting to being created and being shipped and being sent to me and being collected by me it's just so that i can pick it up and throw it directly in the chat trash without even opening it because i know i've paid the bill online so going paperless is a is something we can do to greatly reduce in global energy i i agree with that so the, the only problem i have with going paperless is not a it's personal problem first and foremost my main issue with it is because i get so much junk in my email and stuff on a regular basis when i when i get emails from a bill from like like credit cards and stuff if i don't look at them immediately i don't see them i mean i get them but i get a thousand emails a day it feels like and maybe i'm exaggerating but i know it's north of 500 like i get a lot of junk in that email in fact i get so many I've, i'm considering just creating a whole new one and starting over because it's too much to manage as it is and so that's my only issue with going paperless it's it, but that's not an issue you know, for everyone, that's just a personal problem that I have to work on. Well, and that, so that reminds me, I'm going to ask you a personal question. Do you wait for a bill before you pay it? Yeah, of course I do. I have an Excel spreadsheet that is broke out by pay periods with uh-huh. which one you pay per pay period. I'd never actually ever see a bill. And, uh, and when a company sends me a bill, it always shows zero due because I paid it on the week of this pay period long before its due date. I don't actually wait for an indication that I owe. I know that I owe, <laughs> you know, so I just schedule it. I I wait for two reasons, because screw them is the number one. And two, I don't generally have any extra income to pay them ahead of time. I barely make enough to make ends meet, so we're usually always scraping by, so I pay them when I have to. Okay. In fact, All we right, just switched sure. from we just we just switched from um for uh charter to Verizon Internet, and as long as they don't raise the rates, they sent us an email. It's like you know it was LTE home internet twenty five dollars a month, and the equipment is free. Charter is paying almost a hundred, right? So okay, you got me. <laughs> well, and so the next one was what I did the short on bamboo toothbrushes. Mm-hmm. I could tell you that you can swap out your toothbrush more often. I used to, with plastic ones, I would want to keep them forever, which makes them useless after a certain point because you're supposed to swap them out, what, every three months? You can swap out a bamboo toothbrush, which, by the way, has the pretty much the same embodied energy. It's the backside, the, the waist side, that it's actually more helpful in. Those are like $9 for 12 of them, and you can swap them out every two months and get two years out of one box and get a get a good clean. You got to get used to the feeling of wood, you know, because you're so used to plastic. But I've been using them now for years, and they're biodegradable. They disappear within several months. What are the, what are the brushes made out of? The bristles. 
nylon. It's a it's a biodegradable nylon, nylon four, I believe, is the nylon grade that they use. It takes about about twelve weeks for one of those toothbrushes to fully biodegrade. Do they come in different levels of firmness for the bristles? Because like I like my bristles kind of hard. Well, and so with these, they do start off pretty hard. But by the time you've gone to a, a month and a half, they've softened. So for you, if you buy a 12-pack for $10 or whatever it is, which, by the way, I've added the link into the short now because through Amazon, they allow us to kind of promote some of these products and give us a few cents for doing so. You would swap yours out every month, so it would stay firm okay. more often. But I've learned that it's a... It, I can use those, they function well, and I don't have to worry about throwing them out because they are a, they're a bamboo toothbrush with a nylon, a biodegradable nylon. Is it the, It's pretty much, I'm going to say it's pretty much the same embodied energy in something, but you're spending marketably less because a decent toothbrush at the store is anywhere between $3 and $12. And this is 12 mm-hmm. of them. So at minimum, at minimum can get you through a year for 10 bucks. And when you throw them out, you don't have to worry about it. It's about a 12 to 15 week biodegrade time. Mm -hmm. So toothbrushes is another thing that we can do to make that swap. And if you're listening to this, yep, I I did say that I was not paid to do the review because I'm just starting to review things that I'm already using. But I did find an Amazon where I can put a link into the show and I will start putting them on the website. So if you decide to try some of the products that we have tried or I have tried, click that link. It gives us like 4% of the cost of you buying it back to realistic sustainability helps us out. So I wanted mm-hmm. to make sure I was transparent about that. Now, it's all up to you. If you want to go get it somewhere else, I fully understand. But it's just something that we've decided to, to try out. But I like the bamboo toothbrushes. There's a lot of things that we can do. Use a lot of secondhand. Keep what you have. Don't buy new stuff. Dryer balls. I use wool dryer balls. I no longer mm-hmm. buy any of the static cling items for the dryer, the sheets that you throw in there. Mm-hmm. I have not bought a sheet. I have not bought a box of those sheets now in over a year. Okay, so one pack the, of dryer balls. So what what's the wool dryer ball do? There, you just throw it in with the clothes, and as it tumbles, it discharges that electricity the same way that that dryer sheet does. Now we use you know a softener or whatever in the to get the smell in the wash, but we don't need dryer sheets. You just throw one or two of those balls in there. They tumble with it. It discharges the clothes. You when you bring them out, they're not staticky. And we've quit buying those completely. These I have five of those dryer balls, and we just rotate them through. Wouldn't an added bonus, or in my head, the the main reason is is it discharges energy? Wouldn't it cause any excess dust and hair that is still in the clothes to fall off? And that's when it, I mean, honestly, because like when you wash clothes, yeah, the water takes a little bit of hair off. Because if you have animals, you have hair in your clothes. It happens. Mm-hmm. So it, it does take some off when you wash them, but when you dry them, they tend to. They, they lose a lot more and i don't necessarily think that it's just from being dry i think that that, that probably has a lot to do with it i think that as it tumbles and, it, and it, it's doing its job i think that it causes the hair and stuff to fall off which then gets pushed into the dryer vent and blah 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 mm-hmm. but that's just my opinion right my, my well, ignorant opinion i i i had not considered never buying dryer sheets until this now that i have those it's not even a consideration anymore. They're they're not needed. So that okay. was a good waste, a good waste reduction. A one-time purchase that's last now lasted now years. And I don't see them ever at any point going bad. We have they one of them that's in rough shape. 
Could you just leave mm-hmm. them in the dryer then? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. We have one that I think is kind of gone bad, but that's because Jamie tried to fill it, like tried to soak up fabric softener so that when it, it tumbled and got warmed. Yeah. And it turned into like a baseball. It shrunk down and got <laughs> hard. <laughs> well, that's not good. By bulk is another thing. So there's a lot of things that we can do. You know, be mindful of your paper products. Try to reduce when you can. If you're if you're at places, don't crank down the paper towel 43 times to get to dry your hands. Air tension does it for you. By the time you've actually walked out out of the bathroom, your hands are generally pretty dry anyways. These are the things that we can do. If you have certain junk like metals and things, put them out early. Put those out a little bit early before the trash. There's, as my friend Jason calls it, the trash fairies will pick them up and they won't even be there for trash day. You know, usually anything large and metal will be gone. And of course, reuse everything you can possibly reuse. If you can't reuse 500 containers, which again, Jamie's always making jokes about my collection of containers, then put them all together and put them on Facebook and say free to someone else who will use them because that's going to stop them from buying something. You know, I have a basement full of yogurt containers here because when Edible Landscape Project starts back up, I'm going to start planters. plants in them. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm going to start plants in them again. So find that niche. Find what you can do. Buy things on on Craigslist and Facebook and these things used because every time we don't go to a store, we don't trigger this manufacturing process. When you buy something that already exists, you're just extending its life. You're spreading out that embodied energy over a longer period of time. So in general, there are things we can do. It just takes a few moments to stop and think about it and to want to stop and think about it. So remember, when you do it, someone's going to watch you. And that's part of that we haven't talked about it in a while, but building that positive footprint, be that example. You know, so when you when you do make those decisions, other people see them and over time they will start making those decisions too. And that's all we're looking for is that moment of thought before a wasted product, before something is thrown in the forever bin, before something is just ignored and forgotten or scraped over into the trash. Mm-hmm. That we just stop and think, is there an option? And if there isn't, there isn't. We live in a society where options can be limited. And I've, if I've learned nothing from talking sustainability now for years, it is if you make it challenging and you make it discomfortable, it's not something that they want to do naturally, people won't do it. So all I'm asking is we take a look at the ones we can do. If everybody just did the ones they can do, I think we'd be amazed by the change. Little bit, little bit, big bit. You got it. And that's what's going to transition us into that close. So thank you all very much for taking a little time out of your day to join us. We do greatly appreciate it. If you've enjoyed this episode, share it with a friend or on social media. If you want to help realistic sustainability, well, that's easy. Click a like, click a follow. Do something that shows the algorithm that you're listening to this show. Make sure that you leave a comment. I like the comments. Everybody knows that I I look at those five-star reviews and it gives me my warm fuzzies for the day, but I do check them every week. I will say, sadly, we have not had any new ones in a while. So if you haven't, leave us a five-star review on iTunes. That can really help us out. And last, if you really, really feel like this show brings some value to your life, 
You can always go to greenyourlife.org forward slash podcast, where there is places where you can do a one-time donation or sign up for a small monthly one. You can support us for as low as 99 cents a month, and we greatly appreciate all of that. Again, thank you each and every one of you for all of your support in all of its ways. And remember, we only get together each week to get a little bit better. Little bit, little bit, big bit. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Mike. And I'm Nick. And we will see you next week. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Feeling overwhelmed by climate change? Looking for sustainable and ethical brands to support? That Ethic is perfect for you. Ethic is a simple browser extension that helps you find sustainable and ethical brands online. Learn more at ethic.org. E-T-H-Y-K.org.